This is Fragmented Reality, a digital bulletin podcast designed to bust the buzzwords that dominate enterprise technology. In this episode, Daniel Brigham shares a clutch of eggs, each containing an industry buzzword, with IT consultant Ben Saunders and Catino's Sam Lloyd. Sam, if you can pick out the first egg for us, please. I'll go for blue one. How do I do this? Blue one. Oh, crack it open. Right, cracked open. Uh, data analytics. Good option. Data good analytics. Yeah, good, good so good I guess nice well, start, A, what does it mean to you? And B, can you like, can you imagine a world without data anal- analytics now? Yeah, do you want to go first or should I? I think you. I think if you think about data and analytics, right, it's at the heart of everything that every organisation has to make use of. If you don't have the right information to understand your customers, your business market trends and you a you can't harness that data and b interpret it your, your organization isn't gonna um you know isn't gonna be very successful moving forward um in order to be competitive and beat your competitors to um, new opportunities or new new business ventures or enter new markets you're gonna have to have that information and if you if you can't analyze it almost in real time um then you're kind of behind the competition and behind the curve from a decision making perspective yeah, I think it's something that every business does uh, without thinking about it, done by default almost. Um, some, some, some much better than others, right? And I think the ones that you're seeing that do their data analytics better, uh, they probably reflect that in their own products, um, the likes of Netflix in terms of customer, customer experience for television and stuff like that. Um, then that probably is a good indication of where data analytics is at in the IT space. Because as you mentioned there, what it comes down to at the end is how good your data analysts are, isn't it? How, how do you get it right? I think, well, I think, it's, I think first and foremost, it's, it's, having, um, it's being able to tap into the data, right? So organisations have a wealth of information, um, but it, being able to interpret it um, and analyse it and make decisions from it is, is kind of the, the key thing. Um, and you've got to act on it. So I think that the problem that a lot of organisations struggle with is conviction. And being able to act upon decisions there and then um, in a fairly kind of, you know, we talk about digital agendas and digital transformation and speed to market. You, if you don't have the conviction to make decisions based on the data that you have at your fingertips, then you might as well not bother having it. Um, I think someone said to me the other day that data is the new bacon as a kind of response to the data is the new oil. Yeah, um, data is always a new something. Yeah, so, but I think at the same time, um, Organisations have got a wealth of information um, in their kind of wheelhouse, but most of the time they don't know how to harness it. Yeah, you, you mentioned about uh, quality of data analysts, right? So um, I think I'm sure uh, I've got a number of friends who work as data analysts and they'll complain about the systems they're using day to day. I think I'm going to butcher this quote, but um, <laughs> there was a good quote I read a while back around that you don't need uh, better drivers, you need more efficient ro- roads uh, and cars. Yeah. Uh, so the idea that you can have the best data analyst in the world, uh, you can employ somebody with uh, a math degree from Cambridge, but if you stop them from getting data for two weeks, then you're only as good as that time lapse, if you like. So, <laughs> uh, which of course is it's all about getting that data quickly uh, and then giving it to the right people. Uh, well, not completely writing off the drivers there because <laughs> you do need the right people to interpret it, but. <laughs> Again, it's a bit of a balance between the two, I think, a bit of um, technology and culture there, I guess. Sure. And 
putting you on the spot a bit, but you've mentioned data being like bacon or like oil. If you had to choose a product or a, or a food stuff, what would you compare data to? Well, blimey. Um, I guess it's <laughs> for... I'm vegetarian, so you've really missed the mark on that one. You learn uh, something okay. new every day. There you go. Um, if I were to compare data to um, a food, I'd probably call it like the Big Mac. Oh. It'd probably be like a Big Mac, right? So it's multiple tiers with different flavours, um, and um, you kind of take one bite and you devour it and then love it. That would be my, my recommendation. Yeah, I'm going to go for an inch, a slightly a different one. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go down the sport route and say uh, it's like the half-time oranges that they used to have at football <laughs> matches. Yeah. Uh, so actually, funny enough, when you first set up a business, you're not really doing anything with data, right? You're just going out, out on a whim. You might do some pre-analysis and stuff like that. Um, for me, data analy- analytics uh, is probably a bit more like you've done the first half, uh, now you need to retrospectively look at where to fine-tune. So... There you go, it's your half-time oranges and the, nice. manager, the manager giving you a team sort of and then a, what, metaphor. Th- then, a, then a pre-match Big Mac, by the sounds yeah, of it yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. pre-match, yeah, pre-match Big Mac. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ben's diet's not great, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those. Cool, let's crack on to the next egg. I don't know if Ben wants to choose this one. Crack on to the next Which egg. Which colour you going pun. for? Very punny of you. Pink egg. Uh, digital evangelist. Wow. Digital evangelist. Go. Now then, would either of you call yourselves digital evangelists? I, I don't think uh, I wouldn't call myself a digital evangelist. I think what you, I think in our line of business, right, you always have to be an evangelist of sorts. Um, I think the the key thing that we always look at is organisational change management activities. So kind of more of a change agent. Mm. And I think when you're embarking on any kind of digital transformation, you need champions within your organisation that are going to shout from the rooftops about the agenda, why you're doing it, why it's important to the business. Um, so having those people in your organisation is imperative to truly transform. Um, and if you don't, then it's going to be hard for you to, you know, battle against that kind of organisational inertia, right? The, the church of no. Um, we've been there, we've done it, we've tried it a million times before and it's never worked. Um, you have to have enthusiastic people that are really passionate about the change um, and that are willing to go to the, go, willing to go to the extra the extra mile to kind of win the hearts and minds of your organisation and the, and the toughest people within it, right? If you, if you can't dissent the naysayers as part of that change, then you, you're going to fail at the first hurdle. So you're not necessarily calling yourself a digital evangelist, but you need digital evangelism within a company, though. Yeah, I'd agree. Oh, no, I'd give a dissenting view for this. Oh, <laughs> already? Yeah, it's only taking yeah. two eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'd say um, in the industry, I think we've become a little bit hung up on roles and terms and having, and not, not to uh, disagree with the productivity of the work they do, um, but you can call, uh, and for me an evangelist, it doesn't really change the fact that I think everyone is there uh, to try and deliver the best project they possibly can. Um, I think IT in general should just be about people mucking in together <laughs> in order to deliver an end goal. Uh, the, roles, uh, the roles and the titles aren't that important for me. I think when you when you're eva- when you're an evangelist, you, you you can't just be, you know, jazz hands and jump up and down and everyone be happy. You've you've got to have a point of view. You've got to have perspective, but you've got to be evidence based. Um, and I think you've got to have data points behind the decisions that you're trying to get the organisation to make that change behind. Because if you don't have the evidence and the business drivers, then it's kind of a, a failed transformation. I think when you talk about digital transformation, um, it's 
fairly superfluous kind of title, right? It's been in the industry for many, many years. Um, but you want people to be able to tie that digital transformation agenda back to a business outcome. Because if you don't, it just becomes a technology transformation. And we've seen many of those fail because there's nothing that you can tangibly tie the outcome towards. Um, and you're just building platforms and capabilities for people to consume and kind of like a field of dreams, if you will, that doesn't really add any business value and generate any outcomes for the organization. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the term evangelist, if you like, uh, when you first think the word, mm. uh, is somebody who's going to come in and make change. Um, the last thing, and they need to do that by showing that change and therefore allowing others to embrace it. Um, I think if uh, he brought out the cynical version of me, then a lot of the people I've heard or seen with the title evangelist are really only there to pay lip service to mm. what their role is, um, whereas actually getting amongst the trenches, if you like, um, that for me is what a proper evangelist would do. Um, although I dis disagree with the term, I'd probably go with the term leader or something like that, but yeah. it's uh, evangelist is too nice a title, I'm afraid. It's uh, too <laughs> many syllables for me. <laughs> <laughs> too difficult to say sometimes as well, isn't yeah. it? So, okay, let's move on to egg number three. Going Sam's going to pick yeah, uh, gone for yellow yeah, cracking yeah, option yeah it's a good so a Leeds fan as well so it's the, uh, it's the yellow, yellow and blue I've gone for blockchain <laughs> well now <laughs> blockchain right okay good um, so what is it what is blockchain the what's the first thing that comes to mind when uh, you're talking about blockchain or trying to not talk about blockchain I, I so Perhaps we could take this off the topic of blockchain. I, I wouldn't profess to be an expert of it. Um, I think it, it speaks to me a bit more when you talk about technology trends. So um, blockchain, probably, if I can recall, two years ago um, would, would have been the time that I first heard of it. Mm. Uh, and then a year later, I attended a conference in Berlin where the first slide and the keynote speaker was just completely bashing blockchain, right? Um, I guess from an individual and enterprise perspective, it's important, it's always super important to remain focused on what you're delivering, right? So technology is just an enabler, all right? You want that business outcome. Um, and therefore, for me, blockchain is a no, but if there's a use case out there for it, I'm sure I can get behind it, but in that particular. Do you remember why uh, the person you were listening to at the conference was bashing it? Yeah, so the person, the speaker in particular, um, I think he spoke from Harvard, so uh, he said there were, there were so many more problems in the world that didn't need solving with blockchain. Um, I think he spoke about the example of during pregnancy um, and uh, babies being at the wrong angle for pregnancy, and he's saying that's, that's not an example of... <laughs> What, what you use block blockchain to do. He says he encourages all of his students mm. to try and focus on the real world problems and do IT for good. Um, I mean, he can say that as a lecturer, <laughs> but it's just it's one of these things, right? Um, I think when we spoke about, when I've looked at blockchain, there's been a lot around ensuring transactions and stuff like that. And yeah, there might be great uses for it, but at the end of the day, I think there are much bigger IT problems out there that we can... Uh, I guess coming from an ethical point of view, solving this world. Yeah, and I guess it's still relatively in its infancy as well, so it's not particularly low cost or or efficient now. Can you see that sort of changing over the next? I, I, I don't know. I think years? I think to a certain extent, I agree with Sam's comment, where it, it feels like it's a little bit around cultural idealism, right? It feels like everybody wants it to be the solution to every problem in the world, 
Um, and I think if you kind of talk about you know the refederation or the redistribution of wealth and, and those sorts of things, it kind of affords um, a fairly legitimate use case and, and probably quite a heartwarming one if you think about it. Um, and then you kind of, some of the use cases, I've listened to a couple of TED Talks specifically um, where you look at examples where um, in kind of South America, people have had land taken off them um, by the government or by you know, other third parties mm -hmm. that have, you know, um, but being able to use a blockchain technology, you can, you know, draw up lines and, uh, you know, distribute the land accordingly and make sure that you've got a digital record that is, you know, unbreakable to a certain extent. So when you think about those examples of people um, having land taken off them that have maybe been in their families for generations, it's, you know, it's quite a, a you know, passion, a compelling use case um, but I, I just feel like on occasion it's it's kind of the be all and end all for every problem so it's kind of it's, it's a genuine buzzword then in the kind of strictest sense of buzzword is that it's probably I think I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a buzzword I think there are legitimate use cases um, and I but I but I think organizations are probably spending a bit too much time exploring how it could be applied in their organization without addressing real tangible problems that are facing them around customer churn, customer acquisition, new market entrants entering in and disrupting their business. Um, and I think you have to get back to the things that are important to your organization. Great, so filing that one under the buzzword category. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear, yeah. Uh, so let's go to egg number four then. Let's go to number Ben's four. Ben's turn. I'll go for a green. Yeah, you've got different colors. Yeah. Oh, what have we got? Quantum computer. You happy with quantum computer? I'm not having blockchain followed by quantum <laughs> computer. <laughs> this is just silos. Silos, Okay, we're going for silos. So in, I guess as a, a DevOps consultant. Quantum computer just thrown off the table. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, was going to ask you to explain it in 10 words yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, no, I didn't have time for that. I'm going to get back to work. What's that? You got a call? So silos then we've moved on to then. Yeah, so I think... I think silos are a very real thing, right? Um, and I think um, back to the point of getting you know, to the heart of your customer, if you have silos in your organization, it's very easy to have an ivory tower view of that part of the business that you serve or the te technical capabilities that you deliver to, uh, to the business uh, and actually deliver this very fine facet of capability um, that doesn't really have a joined up harmonious view of the rest of the business and I think that when you look at, at silos they're, they're a very real thing um, and actually they're the one they're probably the one thing that prevents a number of organizations to truly digital transform like end-to-end -end. so why are they why do we still have silos are there any advantages to working like that yeah so I think I think we have quite an interesting perspective uh, on this um, so both from uh, consulting or engaging with our clients uh, and then in turn also internally. So we're a fairly new company. Mm -hmm. uh, we faced our own battles with silos along the way. Um, to deal with the first point, uh, so I think especially in the way that um, consultancies operate, we have a lot of time where we engage stakeholders from a business and don't really have a picture on of that overall hierarchy, if you like, within a business. Uh, and why would you? Not many businesses do uh, kind of openly advertise that um, and I guess we will go in with best endeavours to try and deliver the work that we've been we've agreed to do um, and then we will come up against perhaps silos that um, other people didn't notice yeah. and, and that's quite the interesting thing I think sometimes 
Uh, you can be a bit blind to them, which is why organisations haven't necessarily changed. Um, so if you've been at a business for 10, 15 years, then you kind of become ingrained in that culture, right? You become ingrained in the way that uh, those communication structures work. Uh, there's a really good one, uh, Con Conway's Law. Um, so something along the lines of that your systems will reflect your communication structures. Yeah. Um, and if you've got, um, in fact, a really good example on the in the very early part of my career, uh, I was working as a developer, um, and I joined at the same time as my friend joined the test team. And now, agile DevOps bringing those two teams together anyway. But at that time, it was pretty much unheard of. Mm. Uh, and just rather cheekily, I went over to my friend and said, oh, look, mate, can you, could you test this one for me now? Because I, you know, I, I want to finish for the day, right? <laughs> and he, he, got, he got a beating from his manager for changing priority, right? But at the end of, end of the day, the way that we were all working together anyway, those silos just didn't make sense to yeah. us because it was our first job, it was our first step into the IT industry. And, and from, the, from an outsider looking in, it was pretty, looked pretty mental, to be honest. Um, and I think a similar, similar, similar thing happened with Contino, right? So we are made up of lots of different areas, right? We have a finance department, we have a talent team, um, we have a marketing team, uh, and then we've got some guys in delivery, right? And coming from a larger consultancy to a smaller consultancy, it was great to know each of those teams. It was great to know the HR people. It was great to know the people in the talent team. It was great to know the people in the marketing and the finance departments, but then the only time you really felt connected with those people uh, was when you came back to HQ. Um, and I guess, I think about two years ago now, or probably a little bit longer, uh, our leadership team kind of acknowledged that that was not necessarily a problem, but it was perhaps hampering the way that we operated with our clients. Um, because any marketing material, for example, would, would be a part of a much larger pipeline rather than specifically focused to our clients. I think where, where organisations typically go wrong is that they when they when they talk about an operating model, um, they put people in boxes and they say this is this team, mm. um, this is the the quality assurance team, this is the application development team, this is the infrastructure team. So that's where you naturally get those silos. But what they don't really understand first and foremost is the process about how you want to deliver change to your mm. customer, and the organisational dynamics need to go around the process um, as opposed to pushing the process into the organizational construct because you've got these teams that have to do certain things. Um, and I think where we kind of help organizations and you know, generally like personal frustration of working with many, many big um, organizations in, in previous life is that where you have human intervention, manual handoffs, there's so much waste. Um, and I think that to you know, silos and why do they exist it's human protectionism, yeah. right? It's all about self-preservation, making, su making sure that you have your self-importance and your role within the organization to justify why you're actually there. Um, and that's why you get waste, that's why things take long periods of time, and that's why you have this kind of silo and this cultural inertia in big organizations, because they're bonkers, <laughs> right? And, and they think they need hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in order to deliver the services that they do, and, and actually, you probably don't. Yeah. You know, I think there's, I think Netflix have um, one engineer looking after kind of like, you know, a thousand servers or something like that, right? Where we've seen customers have, um, you know, thousands of engineers looking after hundreds of servers, right? Because it just uh, that's the way that they've done things in, for many many years, and that, that's why those those silos exist is because of mergers, acquisitions, 
and not really understanding how they want to deliver change end to end. It's just they build the construct and, and don't think about why. That's the second mention of Netflix, I think. Obviously, big fans yeah, of how they operate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More of an Amazon Prime bank. <laughs> yeah, we've given away an AWS partner as well. We yeah. probably, uh, <laughs> yeah. Other platforms out there available. Yeah, we'll, we'll bleep out Netflix. Yeah. Um, okay, number five, Egg, then. Is it Sam's Go again or is it Ben? I'll go. You go Take a yellow one. It's an Omni Channel. Wow. Well, yes. So the next version of multi-channel. Yeah, well, let's start with that then. What's what's your understanding of the difference between omni-channel and multi-channel? I think they're again. I think they're I think they're inter interlinked and, and closely closely related, right? So I've, I think the the one of the first times I heard um, the, the phrase multi-channel was um, during um, the early part of my career, Sam. Coincidentally, how many years are we going back? Yeah, here? Uh, many, many. Yeah, <laughs> working for a, a flat pack Swedish organisation. Um, who were embarking on their digital transformation at the time. Um, and it was all around kind of the customer experience, right, across common platforms and, and services. So the experience that you get in branch mm. um, or in the store should be um, seamless in terms of the device, whether you're coming in on mobile, web, um, or you're kind of interacting with services and capabilities that are within the store, right? So. Um, you want to be able to look at something, scan it on your phone, um, you know, save the ticket for a later experience, um, and then when you log into the application on your on your iPhone or on your Android device, you can see all the things that you've looked at in the store, and you might want to buy it at a later date. Um, but it's kind of making that whole process and experience frictionless for the customer for me, um, and I think that kind of omni-channel, multi-channel inter interlinking is is really just around customer experience making it frictionless, um, but also creating an experience, right, that you want to go back to time and time again, um, and making it sticky so that you can, you know, retain customers and, and delight them with the products and services that you, you deliver to them. I'll be honest, I had to Google it. So that's, uh, <laughs> Is that what you've been yeah, doing? Yeah, that's what I've been doing, yeah. yeah. I've been, uh, <laughs> you can tell me more if you'd like. <laughs> I'll, I'll step out of this particular egg. Do you crack another egg? I can do the other egg. Let's, go for, a, let's yeah. go for a final egg then, final, Sam. Final egg. Was it we had quantum computing, blockchain, <laughs> omni-channel. At least my vocabulary will be expanded. There you go. So, what have we got? I swallowed a thesaurus this morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. So you've gone pink. That's why, that's why you're in the strategy game now, in the trenches. Oh, here we go. No, that, that, they're two words I can actually understand. Okay, what you please with? Let's, uh, let's hear so it. it's uh, digital. Digital's coming up a lot, but in particular, I like quite like the word disruption. Digital yeah, disruption, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. Is, uh, so obviously, people talk a lot about digital transformation over the last number of years, and now digital disruption is kind of talked about just as much as transformation. What's the difference, and where do you see you guys sort of in that in those two categories? Oh, no, yeah. I am the governor of disruption, I think. Um, <laughs> Have you just called yourself uh, the governor yeah, of disruption? Yeah, I was trying to think of a word, but yeah. the Duke, <laughs> Dodge, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Any, any rules in there. Um, so I think, again, I think this is two ways, right? You can disrupt a market uh, or you can disrupt and influence your own business. Um, by no means am I suggesting anybody goes and starts a mutiny off the back of this. Um, but one of the things that I guess, from so I'm an engineer, um, at heart, uh, being in an organisation where I feel like I can't make change would be a reason for me leaving an organisation. Mm. So the ability for the, or the empowerment of me as an individual, uh, and thankfully what I feel at Contino, is that um, I'm kind of given the autonomy to go and operate in a manner that I see 
fit, right? Mm. Um, being a disruptor within your business, just I guess just challenging the status quo, right? We've got a lot of enterprises at the moment, especially if you look at some of the, um, the companies being traded on kind of the London Stock Exchange, they're kind of struggling to find new ways of income and they're all talking about these investments into their digital programs when in reality it's most likely that they should probably target those investments to their existing employees, right? They should give them the capability uh, to go and basically, because they know the environment's best, right? Uh, a lot of the times as a consultant we go in um, and <laughs> One of the classics is that we will say something that one of a permanent employees already said, yeah. but they will yeah. listen to us because that we're consultants, yeah. right? I can't tell you how the psychology works for that, yeah. but the point is... You should that, keep that quiet, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I should. <laughs> I, but I think it's a common, common thing, right? But yeah. it's the, point, the point is that we, we try and take a common sense, common sense approach to digital transformation, and unfortunately, common sense seems to be quite disruptive, right? <laughs> this is the, 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 the strange thing. Um, I guess the, the other part of that is the... Um, I know they're, they're getting a bit of, having a bit of a tough time at the moment, but your likes of your Monzos and your Revoluts, right? Uh, for years, uh, God, I, I, know I'm, I know I'm being recorded. Uh, I know for years, the banking industry was perhaps a little bit stagnant with its customer experience. Mm. Um, and I think we take for granted now that some of the bigger banks have upped their game. I think now, the, if you look at the prevalence of mobile banking solutions, um, then uh, just moving money around now is more accessible than it ever ever, ever has been, uh, in my opinion. Um, and I, I think, or I'm hoping to see that going to other markets, right? I think if you look at 2008 and kind of the rise of Airbnb yeah. uh, and things like that, um, it's particularly in the insurance market now, it's one, one that I find really interesting. Because especially in insurance uh, for years, it's, it's quite a hard game to get into, right? So you need millions of pounds even to just, even just get your foot in the door. Uh, and seeing some of the things uh, like lacquer um, and um, lemonade insurance, so two reasonably new um, businesses that have got a different approach to your traditional insurance models. Uh, so whether that be through shared, um, kind of shared uh, payment payouts and stuff like that, or alternatively via kind of paying a premium and then if that all that premium isn't recognised, giving it to charity, right? So I think across the board, um, society perhaps is becoming a little bit more ethical. You see it in yeah. ethical fashion and stuff like that. And I think for me, the digital disruption is kind of at the heart of that, right? Uh, the brands like Patagonia, for example, um, they probably wouldn't have been able to get to where they are today if there wasn't an online commerce platform. Um, they would just simply be an expensive clothing item in a shop and maybe perhaps a little bit niche. I think the reason they've hit their market uh, is because of kind of the profile on social media, the profile online, and therefore causing a disruption. And if you look at it now, there are famous old brands like Prada, for example, and they're yeah. doing their own kind of ethical or ethically based range. And I think that's disruption at the heart of it, uh, of how all, all of this is just trying to make things better. It might, might not be well placed at times, but. I think that's where we're headed from, certainly from a digital point of view. Would you agree with that, Ben? Is that is sort of... There's a lot of points to agree yeah, and disagree with yeah, there. Sorry, the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I picked the best topic to finish. <laughs> so I think, um, so I think to go, if I go back to the kind of the, the, the first question, what, you know, what's the difference between digital transformation and digital disruption? I think you generally transform for better, hmm. right? And, and the aim of wanting to achieve an outcome and um, improve something from a, a business perspective. 
when you think about disruption, you can get good disruption and bad disruption, right? And as, as Sam said, you you have internal disruption and you want to kind of, um, you know, you might want to start a new business venture and the question mark of do we build within our existing organisation or do we take the organ out of the body and put it back in at a later date and hope that the, the antibodies accept the, the organ, right? Um, so there's those kind of question marks. I think when you, when you kind of look at but disruption as a whole, we only have to look at the world at this moment in time, right? Where it's not just digital, it's kind of socio-economic issues, macroeconomic problems that are all over the world um, and, you know, very real tangible challenges for businesses, right? If you, you, know, you just have to look at the high street um, and, and all, you know, the whole agenda of, the, you know, the, the retail outlets and the stores and all of that kind of stuff that, you know, businesses are struggling. Um, but kind of more, more broadly, when you consider the fact that for many, many years they've been suffering deaths by a thousand cuts, they've just had one big old, you know, heavy contusion to the head because they haven't upped their game, mm -hmm. right? And they haven't thought about the customer and the buying habits and the way in which the world is changing. Um, and you look at, to, to, to Sam's point, you know, the, the digital retail outlets that um, are now online, ASOS, um, you know, Amazon, you know, no one's going to want to go to the shops anymore, right? The convenience of having stuff delivered to your house um, completely flips the kind of experience about what people buy, how they buy it. Cool. Interesting. Well, okay, gents, that's uh, been fun, that. Good. Thank you very Thank much, you Ben. Very much Thank you very much, Sam. Appreciate it. Cheers. Power up your day with the Bulletin Brief, the latest news, insights and opinion delivered straight to your inbox.